0: Hello and welcome to the Red Lips and Stilettos Podcast. Red Lips and Stilettos is an industry hub and creative space for the beauty professionals. My name is Carrie Lee and I'm the founder of Red Lips and Stilettos. Here we are giving you, as the beauty professional, a voice to be heard within our industry. We serve to help connect you to the beauty professionals who have been there, done that, and experienced a world and more of what our professional beauty industry has to offer. Building a makeup empire to becoming CEO of an international skincare brand. On this podcast, we are bringing success stories right to your ears every single week. Our guest today is Sandy Fur. Sandy is a qualified somatologist with Cedesco International qualifications. Sandy ran 16 beauty salons and a beauty college for 8 years in Cape Town after working in various beauty salons, gyms and permanent hair removal clinics. Sandy moved full-time into education in 1996 when she opened her own college called Beauty Therapy Institute in Cape Town. Sandy is past president of the South African Association of Health and Skin Care Professionals, also known as SASP, which is the professional body of the beauty industry in South Africa. Sandy is now past president of Sadesco International Switzerland, after spending eight years as Sadesco International PR board member and one and a half years as president. Sandy examines beauty and spa qualifications globally and attends international congresses as an invited guest and speaker on various topics in the professional beauty arena. Sandy judges international media makeup competitions in various countries around the world. Sandy was awarded Regional Business Achiever Entrepreneur of the Year with Nedbank Business Women's Association. On behalf of the World Spa Wellness Internationally and Professional Beauty in South Africa, Sandy judges top spas globally. Sandy now has 13 training colleges in Africa called Beauty Therapy Institute. Two are situated in Nigeria, one in Namibia and the other 10 are in South Africa. BTI is a franchise group of colleges where Sandy is the franchiser. But also owns two outright and is in partnership with the third. College number fourteen is opening shortly in South Africa. Welcome to the Red Lips and Stilettos Podcast, Sandy.
1: Hi Sandy. Hi. Hi, Carrie. How are you? I'm great, thank you. How are you? I'm very good. Thank you so much. Inviting me to join you today.
0: Well, thank you for joining us on the Red Lips and Stilettos podcast today. Oh, it's wonderful to be here. Thank you. Awesome, Sandy. So let's just dive right in. I'm so excited hmm. to um, record this episode with you. And I'd love you to just share with me, go all the way back and share with us the story of how you entered into the beauty industry.
1: Sure, sure. Now we're going back a long time. You do
0: realize this? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Are you ready? We're going, we're going back 35 years. Maybe oh, Wow going back 35 years, when I finished matric, what was known as matric in those days, that's how long back it is, I wanted to, I really knew in grade 12 or in matric that I wanted to study beauty. My mom planted the seed. She said to me, why don't you go and study this subject called beauty? And I was a little bit intrigued and I thought this might be a wonderful thing to just go and do quickly for a year and yeah. then after that I'll go to university. Anyway. So at the end of matric, I was awarded a typing prize, excuse me, because I typed the most words in the exams. I mean, how's that for for a prize? So (laughs) the prize was that I needed to go and buy a book. And I went to a bookshop with my father and I bought a book on beauty. It was my first, let's call it a textbook. It wasn't even a textbook. In those days, the beauty industry was so tiny it was a fledgling industry There was yeah. hardly beauty salons and from cape town i think there were two beauty salons in the center of cape town two in sea point two in Hart bay that kind of feel for the beauty industry anyway i found this book and inside the book was little home home recipes on how to do facials how to do mini manicures mini pedicures it was really so basic and there were pictures of massage I handed it to my teacher for the prize giving and he said to me, what are you doing with a pornographic book? So I said, not pornographic, it's a beauty book. So he said, I don't know, what's this beauty? So I said to him, I want to study beauty. And he said, well, I really, I don't know if I should be handing this out to you at a prize giving at school. Needless to say, he did. I think he he had a good look at the book and realized that there was nothing pornographic in the book. Yeah. (laughs) it was all the way back through to the year after I left school. I went to go and study beauty, and I absolutely loved it. I worked at the college that I that I studied at. It was really special, and then I joined a, a gym. It was a gym and slimming clinic. I was there for about five years, and that was really fantastic because I learned how to become a gym instructor, Those were the days of high-impact, aerobic, Jane Fonda-style exercise classes that we used to do for 45 minutes, and we killed each other and ourselves really working out. But the very big thrust at the time was about slimming and toning and looking trim and looking fit. You know, everybody wants to like Jane Fonda, if you know who Jane Fonda is. Yes, of course I do. (laughs) Um. So from there, I mean, I, I never left the beauty industry in any meaningful manner, but I have loved it. It is so different today to what it was in those years. Um, now these days we can guarantee our students' jobs, whereas those days I was the only fortunate student in my group of 24 in my class to get a job. So, yeah, having come through the whole circuit and having a, Experience from beauty to doing electrolysis, permanent hair removal, to specializing in skincare and going on to the advanced aesthetic side of things. When I was in salons, that's really what I love to do. Connecting with clients, forming forming lifelong relationships with clients that I still have today after all of those years has really been a most amazing industry that I can imagine any young lady would want to enter into.
0: Yeah, it's it's, it's such a um, a broad industry where you can go in so many different directions. There's so mm. many opportunities that await you when you once you've got the qualification.
1: Well, that's the good part. And since then, I mean, the the opening of spas, that's such a huge industry. The cosmetic products, or uh, a Cosmetic products that are available globally. Those are huge financial industries at the moment. So there's really a whole lot that a potential student or a potential therapist uh, can go into. It's very, very. Yeah.
0: So Sandy from you know the beginning of your experience and when you once you went, once you entered into the beauty industry to now mm. I mean you must have seen such a drastic change within the industry Um, What are some of those changes that you have witnessed yourself?
1: Mm. So in those days, the, the courses were much, much shorter and a lot more superficial. And these days we're reaching the dermis layer. So we're going really deep in terms of skin treatments and we're working with the medical fraternity a whole lot more we're working with bikineticists with massage we're working with uh, physiotherapists as well with body treatments so there's a huge scope into co-working with the medical fraternity as well let alone the spa business which is then going into the tourism and hospitality side of of industries as well And, of course, on my side, I took the direction of going into education. So that I started about 28 years ago. I I reached into the education side of things. But it was even at that stage only did I go into my SEDESCO qualification. Because when I studied, SEDESCO wasn't available so yeah. I it's till I was thir- I, I did a CEDESCO when I was thirty and that gave me then a higher level of qualifications and from there I had to do facilitation training, assessors training, moderators training in order to be able to go into education side of things. So that has really been fantastic. I think I think as as much as it's hard to work with the services seat and the accreditation bodies in the in the education industry in South Africa they really pushed us in the beauty industry if we wanted to be in education we had to up our learning skills we had to up our abilities on being able to teach um, instead of just coming out as a as a subject matter expert or a skills professional and being able to say well if I can do a facial I can teach a facial it's not yeah. not quite like that you have to become qualified to be able to facilitate, then to assess, and then to moderate a stu- uh, uh, an assessor's marks. So there's a whole process that happened along the way while I went from a trick to where I am today. And I'm so eternally grateful, Kerry, because what has happened, and I think it was also during the time that... You know, we were, I want to use the words lockdown, because it felt like a lockdown when, you know, there was apartheid. We were yeah. accepted as much of a a country to deal with. So we were kept out of the international arena in A lot of ways, which meant that we had to develop our own skills and educational styles in South Africa. And that elevated the levels and the standards of the South African therapist. You can ask. I can imagine. Is there any professional globally? And you can say to them, who are the best therapists around the world? And before they blink, they say the South African therapists. They're hardworking. They're prepared to work for... A little money, which is not something that I'm I'm proud of at all, but I'm. They are really well trained in South Africa, so my drive at this stage of life, and in fact for quite a while now, in fact the last five years, has been to take our industry, our education into Africa. That's amazing. Yeah, instead of the African students having to come to South Africa, pay the fees, the travel, the transport, the accommodation, being away from their families, you know, all of those those issues yeah. when you are studying and being able to take our BTI, Beauty Therapy Institute training into Africa where we've got three colleges already and hopefully expanding into the future.
0: That's so exciting. Mm-hmm. But Sandy, before we, we talk more about that, I would love to know, um, there, when there was that turning point for you where you wanted to open up your own college, mm. which later on became a franchise. I'd love to know what happened behind the scenes within you to make you, you know, make that decision.
1: Sure. So quite an interesting story. I was pregnant with baby number two. And I had resigned from my job, which was where I had been teaching at a college in Cape Town. I resigned from my job and I was about to have the baby in the April. In the, in the March, I was doing a lot of, I, I always, I've always been involved in nonprofit with SASP. SASP is the South African Association of Health and Skincare Professionals. They're a nonprofit organization in South Africa. They're the professional body for the beauty industry. And at the time, I was on the committee of SASP in Cape Town. Um, and they asked me if I would go and do a salon inspection in the suburb called Claremont in Cape Town. So there I went with my big tummy, drove into Claremont, went to inspect the salon. And the salon owner said to me, please come and have a look at this room. I've got this room standing open, it's got three beds, three chairs. And three trolleys. Do you know anybody who would like to make use of this room? She said, it's just standing empty. It's tiled. It's got a base, a basin. It's got everything that anybody would need, but it's just, I need something to do. So I went back to my husband, my, my first husband, and I said to him, Oh, this is just my dream come true. Because at that stage, I knew that I wanted to go into education for myself. I wanted to have my baby and start a training school, but I had no idea financially how I was going to make this happen because, firstly, babies are expensive. And secondly, I wasn't working and neither was my husband. Surprise, surprise. So I said to him, you know, I'm going to put in it a really naughty, cheeky proposal. So I wrote her a letter and I said to her, um, her name is Chrismy. I said, dear Chrismy. Um, I'd love to take this opportunity to use this room. Please may I borrow your beds? Please may I borrow your chairs? Please may I borrow your trolleys? I'm going to have a newborn baby. Do you mind if your cleaning lady assists me with her when we, when she's born? And do you have towels that I could borrow as well, please? And, oh, do you mind if I use your wax pots as well? And, oh, what about your steamers and your labs? Uh, whatever I propose to her... I said to her, for this, I would give you, I'll give you, I said, I can't afford a set monthly rent, but I'll give you 20% of everything I make. And she just said, yes. Wow. (laughs) What? I mean, I will never forget her to this day. She gave me an opportunity and I cannot find her anywhere. I can't find her on Facebook. I can't find her on LinkedIn. I cannot find her anywhere. I believe she remarried. I don't know her surname, nothing. But she gave me the step up that I hope that I'm able to give to many, many people in my future. It was an absolute gift that came at me. So what I did is I placed a tiny little advert in the local newspaper. Now, in those days, you place little classified adverts, right? You don't do yeah. that <laughs> I placed a little classified advert. And I said, teaching short courses, um, please phone this number. And I got my first phone call. And the student said she wanted to learn manicures and pedicures. So I said, sure. Sure. Um, it's Thursday, we can start on Monday, and I sat down at a computer, we had one of those old desk, you know, it wasn't old then, it was a desktop computer, and I typed, and I typed up all my notes, and I had it bound on the Saturday, and I went into class, and I bought all my little products that I might need, and I taught her manicures and pedicures. She then wanted to do waxing straight after that, so I sat at home at night every night, typing up my waxing book, and that's how I started one step at a time and we now we have 48 courses you know we just gone in leaps and bounds all the way down the road it's just it's been
0: that's amazing
1: phenomenal journey what
0: what I love about your story um from the beginning is just sending that email was such a risk you know it was it was you you weren't asking you were asking for a lot but you you didn't you know create the objection in your own mind before you even sent it and I love that about it about your story is that you actually you went for it you know um, (laughs) and and you took the chance I love that
1: I was so cheeky and desperate at the time. I'm like, I really want this. How am I going to do this? She can only, what's the worst thing that can happen? My mom always told me, what's the worst thing that can happen? Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. (laughs) What's the worst that can happen? She could have said no, but you know what? I took a chance.
0: And how? I mean,
1: I, I would not be where I am today without that opportunity.
0: That is amazing, and I also love how you you know you've said that you you started step by step, so before the waxing class you're writing up the notes, and I think nowadays everyone is expecting just success you know, straight away, they are expecting to have the full manual straight away or whatever it is that they're doing, they want it all done. Perfect. Ready to go. Right. And I think we we forget that it's the little steps it's to take the baby steps, which, you know, lead you to, mm-hmm. to success. And I love that part of your story.
1: Oh, thank you. Yeah. I think that just taking those, those opportunities that come your way. I think if, if that's one small lesson that I can teach somebody, Going forward, is you just grasp with both hands, just say yes. I always I teach my students all the time just say yes, walk away, and then go quietly into your room and panic and say, Now, how am I going to do this? And yeah. find a solution because the solutions are there and you will make it happen. Just go, just you have to start with the word yes. Exactly. And avoid from there. Because if you say no. Putting on all this negative, your you, your brain starts listening to no to negatives, and that that's going to be your life as you go forward. Just say yes, and then find a solution.
0: Um, hundred percent. Yeah, that's so true. I think so many times we um our, our there's fear involved of taking a risk or taking a chance. There's a lot of fear behind that. Um, and I think if you're going to spend time. You know, in that fear, you can build up a massive mountain of Mm -hmm. rejections and no and all the potential failures. But then then on the other side, if you just take that into a positive and what if, what if it all goes well? You know, it can be the complete opposite of of that fear. So it's to just to just walk through fear, be brave. When I go
1: into meetings with my students and I say to them, I say, look at me, if I can do it, so can you. You are no different to me. I'm no different to you. I'm no more special than anybody else in this room, but I just took a chance. And the chances that led me in in the directions that I've gone, but not without sheer, real sheer flipping hard work. And that I have to admit there's no escaping the fact that there's a huge amount of effort that goes into the behind the scenes it sometimes looks so you know you know the saying smoke and mirrors it looks so fantastic from the front but what's going on behind the scenes and you're paddling underwater and you okay how are we going to do this how are we going to make this happen but just go for it because yeah if i can
0: do it so can you do it everybody's that's amazing and sandy when was the moment where you realized that it's actually working like every all your hard work all your time and effort that you put into creating bti mm. when was the moment to, have you experienced that moment when you are like wow this is it this this was the, yeah the wow moment
1: yeah so at the time and if i just take you back at the time the beauty industry was very standardized you went and you did your full-time courses and that was it. You you couldn't go and do short courses anywhere because they weren't recognized, they weren't recommended. And in order to become an accredited college or registered college, you had to be in existence for two years before you could become registered or accredited or accredited. But how can you be in existence for two years if you're not accredited? So I couldn't understand how this ball could roll. In this full-time training system, if you can't get the one before the other, but then you've got to get the other before the one. Do you, know, do you understand what I'm trying to
0: explain? Yeah, it makes no sense.
1: It makes absolutely no sense. It made no sense at the time. So I had to do things differently. And that's made such a difference because I started the short courses in a completely flexible system where somebody could enroll at any time of the year. And the theory was through distance learning. Now, 24 years ago, I'm talking 24 years ago, and I always remember the 24 years because that's the age of my my youngest child. 24 years ago, distance learning wasn't even, I mean, it was like you just said, you do your theory through self-study. That's what we called it, self-study. Now it's distance learning, e-learning, online learning. I mean, we went e-learning two years ago, fortunately. I mean, we were so ready for the COVID, it incredible. But yeah. we had to do things differently. Otherwise, I would never have been able to survive. So I at at that point it was just as i said one student and a second course and another student and one course and five courses and so on as it as it went along then i realized i needed bigger space three beds in a tiny little room wasn't going to do it for me anymore because i my beds were full So I had to move and I moved with the salon owner. We moved to biggest premises and had space for five beds. So I could put five students at the same time in the room. And I bought my first two beds and I bought my first two chairs and my first two trolleys. And I was so proud of myself that I'd been able to save this money to be able to invest back into the business. And that's what I set my mind to do for the next few years, was just invest every little bit of money that I made, every bit of profit back into developing and growing the business. So within 18 months, I had to separate from them because I had to find completely new premises for a classroom with 10 beds. So I rented space in Rondebosch, which was like student city in Cape Town. I thought this is going to be ideal. Um, And I rented some space and it was a big building where I just then opened another classroom and a third classroom and a fourth classroom. And when can I say to myself that that things actually started to happen was when I had first year students. I had second-year students, I had third-year students, I had my modular courses which were were ongoing. I had 10 staff that I was paying every month to have a living, have a career, have a future and I was able to then purchase a building to put our school into and that's how I realized that things had actually worked and things were the passion and the dedication to whatever I was doing. It was beginning to show fruit. It was beginning to bear students who were gainfully employed for the rest of their lives. So many of my past students have their own salons, have their own schools, have their own spas, have done so incredibly well. And that's just through a quick kickstart, you know, in the f- a couple of years of study and off they went.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. We, that is incredible. I'm
1: so so proud of them because it just started with our, my team, their dedication, and just giving students the best that we possibly could at the time.
0: And it's such an incredible um, skill to have. I'm a beauty therapist as well, and it's it's being an institute where you are actually educating and giving other women and men the skill to go anywhere they want to work anywhere they want to start a business mm. they it's such a it's such a magnificent thing that you you've created
1: i think it's an honor. um yeah i think it's an honor we're really really lucky to do
0: that did you ever go yeah boarding? pardon did you ever teach um, so there's, there's going to be some changes that's happening now, um, in my career, <laughs> which I can't announce, but it's so funny because it's happened today. Oh. Um, but I'm going to be going into an educational role Wow. Um, with, yeah, but not at a beauty school. It's going to be with uh, a product house. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I'm so excited because education and training is a huge passion of mine. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, so yeah and no so it's magnificent what you what you have created and also you know you've you've just said it in in so few words your career um in a couple of sentences but also keeping in mind you had what two children mm mm-hmm. And they were young and you built, you built this amazing career for yourself with, yeah. with two children. How did you do that?
1: <laughs> well, that was amazing. So I got divorced when my youngest was six and my older child was nine and had to bring them up alone because my ex-husband then left South Africa. Um, but I had unbelievable support from my family. Yeah. I took my kids. They had to come with me to work. They had to be part of it. They had to understand that, you know, mom's at work, mom's doing what she needs to do. And if you had to chat to them today, they'd fully understand and respect the need for a woman to work and to be able to look after the the children, which is the majority of the population in South Africa. Let's face it.
0: Yeah.
1: So, yeah, I had... my mom, I had a sister, I have a sister who also was very helpful with my children. I, at the time, I was also traveling quite a lot because I started to examine for Sidesco International. So I would go and examine in different countries around the world, or I'd go and judge spas around the world because I was asked to go and, you know, judge. I mean, it was a terrible experience to have to fly to Mauritius to go and judge some spas. It's really hard, hard life, you know.
0: A hard life, I can imagine. (laughs) But somebody's got to do it. So I just took the bullet. You
1: know, I was like, okay. You know, took one for the team. (laughs) I'll do it. You have to do it. But all of those things really expanded my knowledge and my experience of the global community of education and the beauty industry just expansively because we can get quite stuck in what we do here and not really be aware of the trends and the needs of the industry globally. And I think with the world as it is today, with the communities and social media, et cetera, we need to be up there and out there with the best of the best. Um, I think it's really essential, you know, that those types of experiences, if you can take them and if you can get them to just, as I said in the beginning, say yes, and then find a way.
0: Yeah. So my
1: family would assist me. I was just so fortunate.
0: Mm. That's incredible. Um, and with with this year, well, this last year, I guess, 2020, um, and with COVID, I know you, you said that two years ago you went online with the online training. Um, but how has it affected your students or... You know, how, how have you dealt, how have you as um, Sandy and as BTI dealt with with all the challenges that we've been throwing mm. to our industry? The so last year we
1: opened the year with a, a bumper year. January, February, March intakes were, well, we now have 13 campuses, right? 10 in South Africa and three outside of South Africa. We've opened the year with a, an absolute yeah, we was like wow this is just incredible we had more much higher intake than we'd ever had before not only because we had more school but just per uh, per school the numbers and then came march right the middle of march we realized things were were happening and we had to close on the 27th of march but schools had to close on the 16th didn't they so the yeah. close our doors on the 16th of march and only reopen in july And at that point, we'd had all these students register. And what are we going to do? We needed to find a a solution. So fortunately, we were online already. So we sat back. All of our educators were working from home, developing new... PowerPoints, new videos, new material to push into their workbooks, which were the the e-learning books. We had Zoom meetings, we had Zoom chats, we had together as a team, we're 40 in our team at the moment. So we all got together and we, we had educator meetings, we had franchisee, principal meetings, we had meetings with our students, we had we created WhatsApp chat rooms with our students. We did all sorts of ways of, of helping to educate our students. That we had very little fallout, which we was we were exceptionally fortunate for. And all the schools have survived the year, fortunately. They've all made it. None of them have had to close. But the numbers are down, and we've, we've taken a quite a, a big knock, in terms of enrollments, because economically it's so difficult for so many people in South Africa to be able to get the finances to study our Nigerian schools and our our Namibian school. Their numbers have just increased over the year because they didn't have lockdowns like we had. They also weren't impacted economically like we have been. It really has been hard on the South African market, on the South African uh, economic community, That, um, but we, yeah, as I said, we've all taken a big step backwards financially, but at the same time, in terms of supporting the students, we've taken a huge step forward. And I'm, yeah, in, you know, it's actually crazy when you look back and you, you suddenly, you even appreciate what happened. Because if we hadn't gone into that lockdown, we wouldn't have been able to be where we are today in terms of the additional training tools we've got. The learning pathways for the students that we we may not ever have developed because the need wasn't there or the the demand wasn't there or the push wasn't there. Um, yeah, and it's actually incredible to see. And, and I know, obviously, from being on the board of Cedesco International, um I was there for eight years. Uh, yeah, eight years as PR board member, and then I took on the presidency of Cedesco International. And that happened just six months before COVID hit. Now, we have schools in Wuhan in China. And in December of 2019, we got information from them to tell us what's going on in Wuhan. And we were completely overwhelmed. Like, wow, gosh, what's happening in China? And, you know, we we didn't even think for one minute that this was going to affect the global the global in, uh, community at all. I don't know what we thought that it was just going to stay there in one city in one country. Yeah.
0: Well, I I think like for um, for me, I've, I've I've spent the last couple of years working on cruise ships, mm. and um, I was on Princess cruise ship. Princess cruise is the Royal Princess, and the Diamond Princess was obviously the one of the the ships that went down with COVID. Amazing, yeah. And and it was the it's the same thing as we we didn't think that it was gonna go all around the world. We thought that it was just going. It's so funny how our minds work mm. okay. Because now looking back, we should have seen it coming. Yeah, I think you're going to self-protection mode because yeah, something so
1: foreign for any one of us. We can read historically what happened with the, with flu and with Spanish flu and all these types of things historically, but you know it, it doesn't become part of your DNA until it's real it's until it's real. And that is yeah. as eventually it just started to become more and more real as as we started to see how globally it was being spread everywhere. And the salons then closed and the spas closed and the tourism industry closed. And that was a huge or still is a huge part of our market. Yeah. very big spas here in Joburg So I live I live in Joburg now very big spas in Joburg they still haven't opened
0: yeah so where did we go yeah it's I know so I actually want to ask you just with all of your experience in the industry and throughout the industry you know what are your what are your personal predictions for the beauty industry moving forward so
1: because it's such a massive industry it's not going anywhere so it's yeah. can't allow something like this just to knock its socks off at all. And you've seen when as soon as people started to come out of lockdown, they thought, oh, they couldn't wait to get their nails done. They couldn't wait to get their feet done. And um, the the salons and the spas were starting to fill up quite nicely until December hit with the second wave. Um and then January, just economically, the impact after Christmas and the holiday season, the, this, as I mentioned, the second wave having hit us. I think, uh, the salons were much, much quieter in January, but they are definitely seeing a difference in the, in, in February. Um, I speak to a lot of salon owners and, um, yeah, they're definitely seeing a huge thank goodness for February. But there's no taking away from the impact, the financial impact it's had. I think it's been grounding, uh, important for us to be cognizant of. And you know what I'm really loving is I'm really loving that when I teach my students about hygiene and sterilization, they know what I'm talking about. And they take it seriously. Yeah. <laughs> I used to tease them and say, you know, you get a certificate or you get a diploma from us, but you get a degree in, in hygiene. And they used to say, like, oh, we shouldn't be cleaning the classroom like this. And we should have somebody cleaning for us. And I'd go, no, you have to clean up for yourself. You have to sterilize your equipment. You have to sterilize your kits and to try and get it into their heads. And now, oh, my gosh. They walk in and they're washing their hands and they're sterilizing and they're gloving up and they're masking and they're making sure that everything's so clean and sterile and they can't don't reuse their towels and everything is just absolutely brilliant. I walk into the club I'm like, yes, some things. Yeah, that's one thing that I can say that has been a good uh, a good thing for the beauty industry is that people are taking hygiene and sterilization a lot more seriously.
0: I think more just like for the world. I think everyone <laughs> is washing their hands more and is being more, yes. you know, sanitary than, because the beauty, the beauty industry has always been, we've always, that was I think the biggest shock for, for everyone is we, ha- we are one of the like most hygienic industries, you know, probably behind the medical industry. Um, so, but I think that on a global scale, to see more people actually, you know, sanitizing their hands, more more and washing their hands. You know, <laughs> when we, we get the students
1: coming in and they raw and they're straight out of school, and we have to teach them from day one when they walk in, it's quite fascinating to see them. But now it's the lessons are done in the classroom, the lessons are at home, and it's really taking it's taking shape for us a whole lot quicker. But I don't, I don't lose faith in that the beauty industry is going to lose its its. Uh, market impact at all, at all. I think it's just going to take some time and we have to be a little bit patient and we, ha- we have to just know and be confident that this will come back because there is a huge need for touch. There's a huge need for care. There's a huge need for skin, skin uh, skincare. Um, I don't think at all that this is going to have a long-term impact on the beauty or health skincare industry at all?
0: Yeah, I agree with you, and I think it it might um change a little, but it's not going anywhere. It's too big and it's too strong to to just oh, be shut down. Yeah, I, think. I think so, but I think
1: I think we need to just be brave. We need to be present and show up, because if we don't, if we if we run away from it, um, I was just interviewing somebody for a lecturer position today, Um, and there was one one applicant who said, oh, no, they're actually going to take back their application because they're too scared to come because of COVID. And I was like, gosh, yeah. Now, if you're not going to apply for a job, what are you going to do? I mean, you've all got to live your life um, in amongst what is happening around us.
0: I know. I think, you know, I really feel that talking about covid um is like talking about religion or politics these days because there's there's so many different views (laughs) um but I I agree with you I just I I can't live in fear else there's just no point point to life um so you know I I I think you still need to live you still need to I mean be cautious be aware but you can't live in constant fear of of what if I think with BTI, with with mm-hmm. our colleges, we
1: we've got such an excellent model in terms of teaching students what it is that they are passionate about. So they don't have to come in and be a jack of all trades and have to do everything. They can come in and specialise and be become whatever it is that they they dream to be and from there go out and create their future, whether it's mobile therapists, I mean if I look at mobile therapists, I'm not sure. So my husband started Sorbet uh, many, many years ago. And a few years ago, they decided to open in the UK as well, in London. And in London, what we discovered is mobile therapists, huge business. Um, and now it's become yeah. like that here in South Africa. I think through COVID, there have been a lot of therapists that have been let go of their positions, perhaps, and they are now mobile. And that's a whole new avenue that opened in South Africa, which previously wasn't here. You know, it's, uh, therapists were not confident to go out yeah. and to travel and to go into somebody else's home. But now they're doing it. And they, they're braving the, the reality of, of um, this is a way to go and do it safely in somebody else's home. So again, another facet that we can yeah. journey down.
0: Yeah you're not the first person um who's who's told me that actually with the mobile with the, the the beauty therapist going mobile and it's so popular um in Cape Town Durban Johannesburg um so that's definitely you know for the listeners if they are struggling or if they don't know what to do if they've been made redundant um that is definitely an option and there's also quite a few apps yeah. I've noticed in South Africa um, that are being launched either in March or they're already launched. So, you know, it's also a nice way to make, you know, different multiple... um income yes, yeah definitely and sandy just to go back to you and your amazing career um and obviously you're you're so ambitious with everything that you have achieved it's very clear what would be the top three of the hardest lessons that you've had to learn um as mm. a business owner and as an entrepreneur? um i think i think if i
1: could ask everybody or just plead out there to to everyone, just to stay humble and to reach out to mentors for guidance wherever you can, because that is so rewarding. You put your hand out to, to take your journey in the industry, you know, if you're in the beauty industry or whatever industry that you're in, but to stay humble and not to rise up to a point where you think that you're better than anybody else or you're greater than anybody else because nobody, is bigger or better or greater than anyone else. Um, I had a mentor when I first started working in in an international company. Um, I worked at the company for about eight years. Still today, I will contact her and I will reach out to her for guidance if I need anything. And she is just still, she's in her 70s, and she's still such an amazing lead and guide for me that if I could give somebody one tip, that would be, one of them. And then also to believe in yourself. Because you know, if I think back to those days where I came out of matric and into my studies and my first job, I was so insecure, so shy. And I wasn't didn't have that self-confidence to believe that I'm okay. It's okay. Whatever I do, I'm going to take the chance. I'm going to just say yes. I'm going to step out there. And if I fall, I fall down but I'm going to get up and I'm going to try again, but just that confidence to look in the mirror and say, it's okay, go for it. Just believe in yourself and try, try and do it. Just take the chance and believe strongly that it's going to work. And if it doesn't work, how many, how many people talk to you about failures? You look at uh, um, any of these these top businessmen steve jobs they've all failed in business somewhere along the line but what did they do they got up they tried again and they got up and they tried again so i think your attitude to whatever is you doing your life your processing is so essential um and then i spoke about just saying yes i know oh, no, now no, we're no. just
0: waiting for your books and
1: I'm in my 70s. I've been a long time so until then.
0: I'm just teasing you. You've just got so much wisdom Absolutely. and so it's, much experience. It all comes with age, right? <laughs> I guess so. And Zannie, yeah. what so is what's next, next for you? me is 100% BTI. I've
1: never been 100% in my business. I've always worked for nonprofit organizations as well. So whether whether it was Cadesco, um, yeah. I worked with another careers opportunity company called Amatuba you know but i have just always spending a large percentage of my day working on other people's businesses or, or nonprofits um, to the extent where I was working up to 4050 percent of the day on Sudesco but now it's a hundred percent BTI. I'm a hundred percent head down into taking education into Africa yearning and such a desire to be able to continue what I've started off. Because our business is a franchise model, um, it gives me the flexibility to be able to work with each and every one of our business owners, our franchise partners. I learn so much from them, as much as they learn from me, I learn from them. And we get together as a a community of experts in the beauty industry, just taking our education through to as many people as we possibly can. The majority of our students are previously disadvantaged because they can do one short course at a time, so it becomes manageable. And with that, I've seen just how we've managed to uplift how many women to be able to look after their children in environments that you and I would never be able to understand and comprehend for that matter. But yeah, for me, it's all about head down, head down into BTI, uh, taking education and making sure. I think one of the things that I've been thinking about this year, coming into this year, was that I don't want to be following the education trends or following the trends of the industry. I want to be ahead of that. I don't want to be following and just, you know, let, let's see nails are okay. Well, let's go and do nails or lashes are okay. Let's go and do lashes. I want to create those kinds of trends myself. Um, and that I'm quite excited about. And then very importantly for me is being able to fund courses for our students. To find ways that we can support our students with funding courses through through student loans or sponsorship or bursaries or learnerships from the service sector, something like that where we can give more and more people this education that they so desperately need to be to live
0: that's so incredible um sandy and it's so your intentions are just so pure and so genuine that you are totally living your purpose of why you're here. You can just hear it in, in, in how you talk about it and what you want. And I think it's incredible. And I wish you all the best of love and luck for, for what's to come because it sounds like a, said, a busy you, couple a, of years ahead. I'm jumping to
1: go. is really a good time for me at the moment.
0: Thank you so much for listening to today's episode on the Red Lips and Stilettos podcast. If you loved listening to this episode as much as I loved recording it for you, then please support our little business by subscribing to this podcast. And for extra brownie points, share this episode with someone you know in the beauty industry who will enjoy it too. This podcast is here for you, the beauty professional. If you know of someone or if you feel that you would be a great fit for the podcast, pop me a message or a DM on the gram. And I would love to share your voice and your story on the Red Lips and Stilettos podcast. Until next time, pro beauty industry, stay ahead, stay smiling and stay connected. You are appreciated.